Hello, everyone. Welcome to Pop Culture Period Piece Podcast. I'm Laura. I'm Julie. And today we're going to talk about a pop culture period piece and give it our super scientific rating on <laughs> what we thought about it. But before we get into it, Julie, do you have any recommendations? Um, I do. I do have a recommendation. I'm so excited to recommend this. I brought the book in here to describe oh, it in shit. detail. I know. I, I, also, shout out to me. I'm ready for a recommendation. Uh, I'm so, so proud of you. <laughs> it's called The Chosen and the Beautiful. Okay. Um, and so it is Gatsby, but it's Gatsby in which the Gatsby and all of their their trash lives, they are secondary and tertiary characters. Uh-huh. Um, Jordan Baker is the main character. And so this is a woman that is an immigrant. She is a socialite. She is queer. Um, she's also Asian. I mean, it is just and there's there's a magical element to it as well. Ooh. Um, and so I have just been like voraciously reading it. Yeah. Um, just uh Yes. And like those things that you thought probably when you were reading Gatsby when you were in high school, um, like the character just like embodies it and calls it out in in this book. It's so good. Yay. I was really excited when Gatsby went into public domain because I knew I knew people were going to start to have a lot of fun with it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like that was going to be the one. Because they're not like they're not good people. Like, no. And I don't know. Like I know that when I was in when I was younger, um <laughs> I I very much sort of like interpreted it as the main character is the hero, the main character is the good person. Mm, yeah. Um and now that I'm older, I love it when the main character is not a good human. <laughs> um yeah. but I I think it took me a while to get there cuz it was like me like reading books and being like I am I am I justifying bad behavior? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> This well, is probably one of the reasons I'm so messed up. <laughs> ah, we got a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just in general, we're women in the United States and we grew up like billions of reasons. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we always like I remember protagonist and antagonist being the main conversation and not main character. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of like main characters that are both the protagonist and the antagonist yes. of their own story. So um, my recommendation is I just got back at two o'clock in the morning last night uh, from an amazing trip and we went through a company called Globus and I would highly recommend them, especially if you're going someplace for the first time, Mm. they Mm -hmm. have a great, they're one of those like tour coaches they give you a guide. They have a very kind of strict schedule, but it also has lots of free time and you get to kind of sample everywhere, um, wherever, like they have a Spain, Portugal, Morocco, what they have the the globe. Yeah. Um, but it's a great way to, I just, I loved every second of it, but it was a great way to like do a first round of a country or several countries and then go like, I want to go back to here for five days and I want to go back here. Mm -hmm. Um, and I felt super safe. We had to be masked on the coach the whole time. They had COVID tests available for us if we were not feeling well, which yeah, I don't know if you could tell listeners by my sexy, sexy voice, but I actually caught a head cold while I was there as, as in some of the other members of our party, but we were able to test ourselves 
anytime we wanted to, to make sure it wasn't COVID. Our tour guide tested himself every day. Um, it was very clean. And I just felt super safe and secure and especially visiting another a country I hadn't been to for the first time. And now I'm like, oh, I really want to go back um, and on my own. And so for them to give me the confidence to do that, highly recommend Globus Tours. So that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was really nice. Um, cool. So today is the lust. I mean, we are in the lusty month of May. Uh, Julie came <laughs> up with that theme. So. Yes, I'm very proud. <laughs> um, so I picked Dirty Dancing because, <laughs> duh, the biggest duh heard around the world. Um, so Dirty Dancing takes place in the early 1960s, and it's about a girl uh, named Baby, well, nicknamed Baby, that goes to a resort in um, New York, and she with her family and she's a teenager, but she wants to change the world. She wants to go into the Peace Corps. And she finds through the social economic systems of the resort, um, kind of an interesting way to help and to be involved. And through that finds romance uh, through the amazing Patrick Swayze. Uh, And yeah, so, and she also learns to dance along the way. Yeah dirtily dirty dancing um so julie i'll open it up to thoughts from you while i blow my nose on you. <laughs> um so here's a fun fact here's a humble brag it's not even that uh-huh. i've been to this resort where this was filmed um it was actually filmed oh, in awesome. virginia um, oh yeah and yeah. when i was i think it was like graduating high school getting ready to go into college um, take a shot, everyone. It was Woo! when Blair Witch Project was out. Um, shot, shot, shots. I had a friend and her, they took us like a big group of us, not a big group. I had a small group of friends, but it felt like 400 people to me. Cause it was like 10 of us. Yeah. Um, and we all just like slept on sleeping bags in the floor in one of the cabins. And it was when Blair Witch was out. So like everybody kept trying to scare everyone. And it wasn't until like the end of the trip. That we were like, man, this place looks so familiar. That someone was like, oh, it's the it's where they film Dirty Dancing. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I wish I had known that ahead of time. Frankly, yeah. um, this is this is an interesting movie for me because uh. this is one of those movies where the the further I get away from watching it, the more I sort of like rewrite it in my head. Oh. Um, and I forget, like, how strong, in a good way, a lot of these point of views are. Yeah. Um, and so then I go back to it. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, when you when I get further away from it, I'm like, oh, this is just a story about a young girl being taken advantage of. And then I go back to it. I'm like, oh, no. This, this it, like, that's, I mean, it is a little weird. He's, how old is he supposed to be in the movie? He's supposed to be, like, mid-20s. I mean, that part's still weird because she's like yeah. 17. Like, yeah. that's weird. I'm going to acknowledge that. I recognize that for that era, that was not weird. So I just want to say I recognize that as well. <laughs> um, but all that aside, like this really is like baby story and her coming into her own and sort of like the conversations that she has with different characters and the interactions 
mm-hmm. um, you sort of see like those switches being flipped on with her. Mm-hmm. I I also like it's very poignant the time we usually record pretty far in advance, but because I was gone, we're recording right the same week that we're going to release this one. There's a lot of conversations happening in the United States about abortion and abortion mm-hmm. laws, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. this movie is so the farther I totally agree the farther I get away from this story I'm like it's about a girl that goes with their family to a resort and then she meets a cute boy and they have a road like that's and then I'm like no it's actually a story about a girl who sees injustice and finds a way in her own small way which is just learning a dance for one night to help people and also to be honest with her father which I also mm-hmm. will probably start on that um diatribe very soon but there it is very hard for your parents to know who you actually are um especially if you have different worldviews especially if you are the baby of the family if you especially if you're a girl compared to her dad like there's a it is very hard for your parents to not know for your parents to know exactly who you actually are compared to who they see you as. And that was another thing that this movie, um, maybe it's like, I always knew nobody puts baby in a corner was a big thing, but maybe right now where everything is in life, it, it was outside acknowledgement to the dad mm-hmm. that your child is a grown up, mm. and you, and you need to recognize that. Um, and especially because her nickname is Baby. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and also, so we have that relationship. We also have the relationship between Johnny and Penny, his dance partner. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, like, so so much assumptions made by other characters about their relationship yeah um just very very interesting like you know even her father's assumption that like oh he's the one that got her pregnant mm-hmm. and you see that through like baby makes that assumption too mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's 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 interesting because that i think that also shows that like baby has a lot of her father's like judgments ingrained in her even though that happens very early but I think that's a really interesting tie of like oh she's very quick to judge and not ask questions and oh so is her father Mm -hmm. and the scene where like Penny is like I don't I don't sleep around yeah I also another one which I'm sure I'm going to get some groans with you was the relationship between her and her sister oh (laughs) and how her sister also doesn't know who she is because her sister is too busy living her own life, you yeah. know? And until it gets, until her life interferes with her sister's life, her sister doesn't acknowledge it or is like, no, you're going to do X, Y, and Z. Or it's interesting sort of like, I mean, we're talking about sort of fa- family relationships here. Yeah. Um, but I had sort of like a, a similar relevance to this moment in my life recently where somebody that I had worked with years and years ago, Mm-hmm. in another capacity they they thought of me for something um 
and they they called me to see if I was interested in doing this thing. And I I went through all the thoughts thinking over this because I was initially yeah. like, oh, wow, can I do this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then something that I sort of like realized on the back end of all this thinking is that like, that's actually that's not the person I am anymore. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm a different person. So it's not a matter of like me being capable of doing this thing. It's that like my life has gone in a different direction. Um and this person who who's wonderful, but they, they sort of know me from that time in my life, mm-hmm. which, you know, now that I'm doing the math, I'm like, oh my God, that was twenty years ago. Yeah. Wait. Nope. No, 12. I'm not good at that. Yep, twelve. I added a 10. Um, that was 12 years Don't ago. Don't take a shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just sort of like how people are like, yep, this is who you are. I'm taking this frozen in time perspective of the person that you are. And you will not change in my mind because it it's too much work on me to like make that assumption. Like, so I'm just, this is how I see you. Yeah. And like, we do, I do that all the time about people um but also at the same point I know how much I've grown so it's a very you know like I'm like oh they should know better but then it's it's something we all do right like especially in sibling relationships and our Mm -hmm. parents and all that and just being like well no this is who you are I think it's this is a very silly example of that but it's, I think it's also our way of like, oh, this is who I like know you are. So I'm going to help you in this way is when mothers, especially in the nineties had collected like one thing or one thing, like twice. They're like, oh, I like this snowman. And then all of a sudden, everyone, everywhere kept buying them snowman. Yes. Or like when you were in 12th grade and you're like, I like frogs. And then you had frog everything. Because it's easier to help people if you can label them and make them not like make them one dimension. You know what I mean? Like it's um, not easy in a bad way, but it's just if you want to love someone and people are complicated, it's really nice to be like, here's my touch point to go from. Um, I went through a dolphin era. I remember, I don't like dolphins, but in fourth grade, I just mentioned like one dolphin ring and man, we went to SeaWorld that year. It was a whole thing. That that frog thing made me think of, um, I think it was Karopi. Like before Hello Kitty was like the only thing that people wanted to care about. Um, <laughs> there was like a mall store, uh, mm-hmm. Sanrio Surprises. And like Hello Kitty was just one of the characters. And I remember in my friend group, it, it was just like, well, everybody has to choose a character. And then when it's your birthday, everybody gets those characters. And so I just like sort of show, a, I think his name was Karopi and he was a mm-hmm. little frog. And that was like, I got all of it. I got all of it for like three birthdays in a row. And I, then I remember they introduced a new character and I wanted to get that character. And I was like, I can't, I've got all these other characters. I wonder if that's what it's like now for like adults and like Le Creuset. <laughs> Oh yeah. I, um, I had my favorite animal for a very long time was a penguin Mm -hmm. so much so that when I got married, a penguin walked down our aisle, like I got married in an aquarium. It was a penguin. And about three or four years ago, maybe I started really getting involved in cephalopods, especially octopuses. Um, and now I love octopuses. No, mind you, I'm 34. I don't have to have a favorite animal, but I just think they're really cool. And I read a lot of books on them. 
And it's so interesting. The people from my like past life, let's say my pre Orlando life, um, uh, they, so like grad school, undergrad, when I was married, all of that, if I post about octopuses being my favorite animal, they're like, well, what about penguins? What about penguins? <laughs> it's just very, and I think it's because I'm like challenging their thought of me. I don't know. Yeah. It's just always a very weird response. I'm like, oh, oh gosh. Oh, <laughs> this, uh, oh, I may have talked about this before, but this reminds, like when I was younger, people would call like, you know, when friends like just call and talk and I oh hated it, uh-huh. I hated it, but I never knew how to say I couldn't talk. So I would just sit there and like draw or read a book while people would talk to me. And my family was like, oh, Julie's obsessed with the phone. She always needs to be on the phone. And like still to this day, people will like, you know, call me like phone Julie. My And I'm like, I know <laughs> or not. I actually hate the phone. Like if I'm calling someone, it's because it's like very important and or I know the end time. Like I'm on my way somewhere and I'm like, okay, I can knock this out in five minutes and then have an excuse to leave. I don't think we've ever talked on the phone. Fun fact. I hate the phone. I think yeah. I am. I have been married to Mike for, I don't know. I don't do bath five years, four years. I don't know. However long we've been married. Yeah. Plus our relationship. I think we've talked on the phone like three times. And that includes like when he was in another state from me for like four months. I hate yeah. the phone. Yeah, I like the phone, but with certain people, there are like four people in my life that I will call on the phone and the rest. I'm like, "Eh, I'm good. So I, um, (laughs) I want to talk about like the montages and the soundtrack of this movie. Mm, Okay. Okay. Um, we'll start with the soundtrack because this soundtrack from beginning to end, and maybe because it's what my sister played all the time, <laughs> what my sisters played. And then also uh, my friends and I like rediscovered it when we were in junior high, which was probably a good 10 years after it came out. Um, and my friend got a CD of it. But this, these songs are so 80s good. Yes. And Patrick's. Stuart Swayze. I'm gonna say Stuart. <laughs> it's a completely different movie. But Patrick Swayze's singing. Yeah. Is does he sing anywhere else in history, or is it just this one song? Uh, I think he had a band. Oh. But I think this, like, she's like the wind. He wrote and mm-hmm. sang. Ah, oh, so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. The like learning. The learning to dance montages. Mm-hmm so so good i i think it's interesting the i also think this movie like yes it's a romance but it's also like a girl coming of her own it's also a huge like i think it's it's a really good analysis of like socioeconomic status especially when it comes to like all All, sorry I'm trying to think Whoa. of a better way to say this but like all white people right yeah. like let's just I'll just try to I was like what's a better way to put it but all white people right and the discrimination that does happen 
within our like own race and how when it comes to like discrimination there's a lot of intersectionality too right mm-hmm. like the discrimination that the I want to say cast members but like the crew members you know um in class in the, socioeconomic yeah yeah but then you also have like the females versus the males that are there and then you also have the females versus the males in who who are resort guests right mm-hmm. like the females are pretty much cast aside and then you have socioeconomic status within within the um workers where it's like oh if you're going to harvard we're going to make you a waiter and showing yeah. the opportunities of like well, if you're a waiter, you're going to convert with more like ladies that are like of high economic status. You're going to make connections with people staying at the resort. You're going to, um, but if you are, let's say like the dancer, the dancers are going to like the way that even they develop the class system within the workers to give people with more, like give people more opportunity in certain roles, um, I think was just brilliant in this movie that could have been just fluff and every single teenage girl would have still eaten it up, right? Like, yeah, they, they, they did more work than they needed to. And I think, yeah. and you're right, it paid off. Yeah. Um, because it could have been like Patrick Swayze is dreamy and he needs Jennifer Grey to dance and here we go. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and especially this was a film long before it's time that was very open about abortion and what it's like for women to go through that decision and have to because that's how they make their living like there is no option for them yeah and the and and she says it she you know she says i don't sleep around and that doesn't mean that if she was someone that slept around it wouldn't be okay yeah um but just like the assumptions that the assumptions that are made when when you know people that are pro-life are like well you know people are doing this and people are doing that and it's like no No. like people have circumstances or they simply don't want to like it is their choice i also think it's interesting like socioeconomic class right like when they think patrick swayze is the father how they treat him right and then, oh, also then he must be a thief and he must be this, and he must, like, et cetera and so forth. But when it comes to like the kid from Harvard that's dating the sister and he says something and he's just nonchalant about it. Like, thank you for taking care of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause he knows his own privilege. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just, I, I'm going to steal your phrase. They worked harder than they needed to. And that's why I think I think this movie, first off, is is still very poignant to this day, but I also think that it's um, it's one of those movies that makes the romance actually seem real. Like you and I talk a lot about how we we get there eventually, and they just start kissing, and they just start, um, and it's like okay, but I don't feel like they earned it. And like this movie, like they they earned it. You saw the hours that they put in working together. You saw that they had very similar morals and life views, which you don't see a lot of people examining in like quote unquote romantic comedies. You saw them have the same work ethic. You saw like all those things that make 
a good relationship and not like a long lasting relationship either, but just a good foundation mm-hmm. for a relationship. We saw them work together and then the relationship was kind of the, the result that happened, but it wasn't the goal, like the it, goal. Yeah. yeah. And it still wasn't the goal. It wasn't how the movie ended, like, and it was done and they never saw each other again. And like, this kind of like it similarly, like we were having a conversation in rehearsal about sort of like emotions and mm-hmm. the emotions are the byproduct of the choices and the actions that we as actors in those characters, as we're embodying them, that we make. It's almost like the relationship was the byproduct of yeah. that. Yeah. And it's one of those movies that you can look at baby's character and see all the different characters around her and you, her relationship with all those characters grew in some way, like Mm -hmm. good, bad, Mm -hmm. ugly, whatever, but it grew in some way instead of these characters just adding like foundation for her and Johnny to be more, it was her growing and all of these relationships around her. Yeah. Um, I have, I have Julie's weird trivia. Uh-huh. Um, okay. Number one, the song Baby Sisters Sing. Uh-huh. That tune is the same tune as my alma mater song. Different oh. lyrics, but same tune. Um, which is interesting because they're, I went to school in Virginia, not where this was filmed, but I did go to school in Virginia. Here's my other weird trivia. And I'm, I'm. I'm curious. I want to unpack this. So I I want to know your thoughts. So it said in a 2006 interview with The Guardian, Eleanor Bergstein, who who wrote it, she talks about the movie's popularity with people in the former Eastern Bloc. And the quote is, and in Russia, it's policy in the battered women's shelters when a woman comes in for help. First, they wash and dress her wounds, then they give her soup, then they sit her down and show her dirty dancing. When the Berlin Wall came down, there were all these pictures of kids wearing dirty dancing t-shirts. They said, we want to have what they have in in the West. We want dirty dancing. Um, Obviously, no proof that this is any of this is true, just to be clear. But it's almost like, I think I'm like fascinated by this because it's like two different conversations happening. Like, I think that the reason they show it in the, um in a shelter if that is the case i feel like that's a diff that's different um than kids being like we want what they have in the west yeah i wish you could see my face right now because it (laughs) there's a lot happening um yeah dirty dancing i want what they have in the west hmm that's the, the, so the battered women's shelter actually makes sense to me mm-hmm. um, because I feel like this is, um, so in my past and past of, of course, unfortunately, most women I know there are histories of abuse, right? And what I enjoy about this movie, which I could see is very cathartic, is that it does explore a lot of uh, even like abuse triggers and like signs of abuse, emotional, physical, Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it doesn't placate it. It doesn't make it less than, but it also doesn't 
romanticize it because mm. um, it's dirty and it's gross when it happens in this movie. And um, and so there is a, a beautiful catharsis that like when you see that and it doesn't feel like Hollywood's using it as a, as a storyline to teach people, it just is what it is. But everyone in the movie keeps going. I and then the, and then the soundtrack slaps, right? Um, <laughs> so it's not, and it's not like this heavy, dark, emotional thing. Um, yeah, I so I I weirdly understand that the West one is very confusing to me. I feel like there are other movies that would make more sense, but. Mm-hmm. I just thought, I thought that was interesting. Whether it's yeah. true or not, I find that interesting. Um, we're about to run out of time, so let's rate it. Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> I put um, the computer in a different place. Ah, uh, got it. So I'm like, huh? <laughs> time. Uh, so what? Uh, one out of 10 watermelons to carry into <laughs> the cast party. What do you give this movie? I, you know, I give it, I give it a seven. I, I do. I like, I, you know, I love my replay value mm-hmm. and this certainly has that. Um, I just, I just like, I like this movie. Um, yeah. I'm going to, it's a classic for me. I'm going to give it a nine. Mm-hmm. Um, Ooh. yeah. Cause I, I, it's, I'm stealing your phrase again. I feel like they worked harder than they needed to for box office, like box office value, they could have done it by creating a much simpler, less complex storyline. And I felt like they did it amazingly. And I felt like they didn't romantic, they made it pretty simple, mm-hmm, which I, mm-hmm. either you stylize it hundred percent or you make it simple. And I felt like they did that. So, yeah. So Julie, what are you looking forward to? Um, honestly, I'm looking forward to today. Um, we got, uh, we popped by the farmer's market this morning and I got mint and lemon balm. So I'm going to plant them. Um, I've, (laughs) things are happening in my garden. Um, (laughs) there was like, there was an old potato in my house. It hadn't gone bad yet. Like it had the eyes growing out of it. Um, but it wasn't moldy or anything like that. So I was like, I wonder, I popped on the internet. I planted that potato. Um, I had to put it in a sack because I didn't want like potato blight like Ireland, mm-hmm. not like all, the, the country of Ireland, but like the potato famine. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, it's like flowering. So uh, I think technically I can get like the first round of potatoes right now because it has flowers. So I'm just going to go out in, in my yard and do yard stuff. I'm still not over the fact that I have a yard. Yay. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I love, I'm excited because it's now finally getting good weather in Pittsburgh to do yard stuff, so. Yard stuff! Yard stuff! Um, our next podcast coming soon. Uh, we're very vague. <laughs> dirt! Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to picking up my dog. I haven't seen him in 13 days. So I'm picking him up at four o'clock. Oh my gosh, have the most wonderful reuniting moment ever. Yeah, I love him so. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for listening. Uh, Like, review, subscribe. Uh, Hopefully I won't be as sexy sounding next week. Uh, And yeah, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.
The Pop Culture Period Peace Podcast is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and other podcasts, please visit thetridentnetwork.com.